Good morning and welcome to Lansing Tab. I've lost count of the number of times I've said that over the years, but this is a very different setting. But wherever you're watching from this morning, you're very welcome to join us and uh, to spend this time with us. If you're part of the TAB family, then we hope that you're finding the various groups that we have set up to be helpful in terms of staying in contact with others and also asking for and receiving practical help. As elders, we'll be in touch with you as always by email and by other means to do our best to keep you in touch with what's going on at the TAB at this time. We're continuing to produce TAB news and copies of that will be on the website as we go along. Now it's really good to have Richard Brunton with us today. Richard was uh, planned to speak today and we'll be videoing his talks both for this morning and for this evening and you'll be able to see those very shortly. Now I'm going to read the passage from the Bible that Richard is going to be speaking from this morning. It's from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. So if you have a Bible with you, you may like to follow along as I read now. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the signs that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Well now, before we hear from Richard, we're going to pray together. So let's pray. We believe we have a responsibility to pray, particularly in these days. So in the midst of great change, Father, all around us, we believe that you are unchanging. Your word says we're to approach your throne boldly so that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. We pray for those who are feeling particularly vulnerable at this time, for those who are elderly 
or who have other health conditions. We also pray for those who are feeling anxious. Lord, bring peace to hearts and minds and an assurance of your love and care. We pray for those in leadership, in government, in scientific and health organisations, that they would have wisdom in the far-reaching decisions they have to make. We pray for those on the front line, in the health service, and particularly at work in hospitals. We thank you that we have a health service available. And we pray that you would strengthen those who care for others. We particularly pray that needed supplies would be available and for protection for those most at risk. We pray for those who have lost their jobs or are at risk of doing so. We pray for peace of heart and that the promised financial assistance would be available swiftly. And Lord, we pray that you would, in your mercy, restrain the spread of this virus, that the peak would be reached very soon, and that both in the UK and across the world, we would be free of this disease. We pray for Christians in every neighbourhood, and every community, and every city. May your Holy Spirit inspire us to pray, to give, to love, to serve, and to proclaim the gospel. And that the name of Jesus might be glorified around the world. And we thank you for your word, the Bible. And we ask that you would help Richard now as he speaks to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to the Word of God and welcome to Mark 13. There are a lot of things that have been changing for us at Lansing Tab and of course for uh, God's people right across the world. But what we haven't changed is the series that we began uh, just recently when we started with Mark's Gospel chapter 9. And we've been steadily working through, and today we come to Mark chapter 13. Now I guess when you look at this passage, one of the things you'll be thinking is, it's about end times, and is everything that's going on at the moment, is this linked with end times? Is there some particular reference to what's going on uh, in our world, to what we read in end times in the Bible? And I would say that we need to be careful about that because although certainly it does mention famines and it does mention earthquakes and certainly this is unprecedented what's going on but I think although you could label it with end times I think it's more appropriate to label with the fall of man and the coming of sin into the world and it's found its expression in so many things right down the years and indeed, some of the references that have been read to us by Roland, uh, some of these are really very much linked to the fact that, yes, man rebelled against God, turned his back on God, and from that time onwards, there were lots of events in our world, and continue to be, that are expressions of this rebellion, consequences of this rebellion. Well, what we see in Mark 13 is Jesus addressing a situation 
which in fact is wider than it appears at first. He's standing by the temple, that magnificent building, and uh, he's seeing the way in which uh, things have developed. Of course, it's not so long ago that he was in there kicking out the money changes and people who were being utterly corrupt and uh, just in there for money. And he said, my father's house, it's a house for prayer. And fundamentally, the temple was built for that purpose. It was built so that God could be worshipped and honoured and glorified. And things were far from that at that moment of time. And of course, that whole sense of the people of God coming together to worship him has been greatly tarnished by sin and it's needed the Saviour, the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus to bring us to be the people of God, to come and to worship him. We are the living temple. And these stones that uh, Jesus prophesied would be torn down and they were not too long after his death. The Roman armies came in and they did demolish the temple. But what he's talking about as well during these uh, times leading up to his cross and uh, his resurrection, his ascension, and his sending the Holy Spirit, uh, what's going on very much is Jesus saying the temple, yes, an expression of some, something that's been built for the glory of God that's been tarnished and messed up, and how the Lord Jesus Christ, his body is a temple and that was going to go to the cross that would be beaten that would be whipped that would be spat upon uh, and he would be crucified he would be nailed to the cross for us so a lot of things are going on here there is the physical temple but there's also the imagery of the lord jesus who would uh, give his body give up his life so that we could be forgiven. And there is this whole sense of the people of God playing their part and doing what we should be doing in these times. Well, Jesus is then moving, I believe, not just to the destruction of the temple, but he's also indicating things that will happen before he comes back. Of course, he's physically on the earth at this moment, and uh, we've said he's going to go to the cross, he will rise from the dead, he will ascend to the Father, and there will come that moment when he will return. So, some of the things that we see here in Mark 13, and we also see them in Luke's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel, very, very parallel ideas and thoughts. What we see is events unfolding that will ultimately lead to the return of Jesus in glory. Yes, there is the sense of the stones uh, falling to the ground and something coming to an end. But we know that there's going to be a far bigger coming to an end, that Jesus will come back and he will bring everything to a conclusion. And that's all hinted at here. And we have to unravel this as we look into the scriptures. But for our purposes today, I want to point out some of the things that are going to happen, some of the things that are very important. And Jesus says this, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. 
If you think about what's going on in the end times, well, deceit is a very clear characteristic of what is happening down right until the time that Jesus comes back. And this deceitfulness will take many forms, but one of the most sinister and one of the most important forms of deceit will be this misunderstanding about who Jesus is, why he came, and why in fact he did go to the cross for us. And there will be people indicating things about Jesus that are just not true. There will be people indicating things about the coming of Jesus and predictions about the timing of his coming that are in error. They're not right. They're not helpful. In fact, they're very destructive. And Jesus says, be careful because there will be people who say, oh, he's come here, he's come there, and uh, he's returned and he hasn't returned. And uh, over the last few years, uh, I've certainly heard of stories of people going up a mountain and praying and believing the end of the world is about to come. And after some hours, they come down perhaps a little sheepishly because uh, all of this great expectation that everything was going to end and it hasn't. Now, Jesus did have something to say about that and we will look at that later. But deceitfulness... Uh, there will be deceitfulness about how serious sin is. People will always try to give the impression, well, it's not so bad. It's not such a big deal. But Jesus didn't go to the cross to deal with the nonsense. He didn't go to the cross to deal with something that was trivial and unimportant. He went to the cross to deal with sin because it separates us from God and because it brings us under the judgment of God and it brings us into the captivity of the enemy of God, the devil. There will be deceitfulness regarding who Jesus truly is. And I've spent many times sharing and pointing out that Jesus is truly man and truly God. Now just because you can't understand that doesn't mean it's not true. There are absolutely loads of things that we may not understand but the reality is they are true. And this incredible reality, almighty God becoming man, Jesus Christ truly man and yet truly God, that is something that has been under attack for centuries and will continue to be under attack. And so this whole sense of trying to give the impression that uh, this is happening and this is ha that is happening and this is all uh, God at work, there will be that right up until Jesus truly does come. We must be very clear that Jesus did indicate some things that would be happening that would lead up to his eventual coming. But the timing of it is something he made very clear. No man knows that hour. He says only the Father knows the hour. And as it were in the councils of heaven there will be that moment when the Father will turn to the Son and say, it is time for you to go back. And that will be what will happen. But of course we're looking at things in time. God is an eternal God. God dwells in eternity. And consequently, you can't just get everything narrowed down to bands of time. And I know there are people 
and uh, some very intelligent people, some very theological people who've tried to work things out and they've given us timelines and they say this is this and this is that. But essentially we have to work against the background that uh, the Lord has said he will come when he is ready. And whether we feel it's the right time or not, he is coming back. And so this deceitfulness about the real nature of sinfulness and why it needs to be dealt with, this deceitfulness about the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, this deceitfulness about the time scale leading up to his coming, his second coming, it's all going to be around, but we've got to cling to the word of God, we've got to cling to the scriptures, and we've got to believe and we've got to rest in the fact that God is God, he's on the throne, Jesus is Lord, and everything will be working out according to God's plan, whether we see it or not. Now, Jesus also said that uh, there will be wars and rumours of wars. Do not be alarmed. Now, you don't need me to give you a history lesson on the number of wars that have been fought, uh, even in this century, without going way back into history. <coughs> but the reality is this. The reality is that uh, wars, fighting people, bringing great damage to one another, this is something that is all part of end times. It's something that has been in the heart of man uh, for centuries, with Cain and Abel, for example. But obviously what we find so alarming today is the sophistication of war. The fact that drones can be surrounding an area and targeting someone who is a long, long way from the instrument of death that will be released to destroy that person. We know that modern warfare is indeed very sophisticated and very different to bows and arrows and swords of years ago. But the end result is the same, people being bereaved, people losing young men and young women, uh, very, very untimely, suddenly taken out. And Jesus said, this is what you will hear but just because you hear of a war doesn't mean the end is just yet. It's on the way, but it's not here just yet. And that is a very, very significant thing because we're hearing of internal fighting, we're hearing of battles. We've been watching the situation in Syria for some years now and we wonder, is it ever going to end? But what we know is that God is still wanting to work in the midst of these very, very disturbing scenes. And whether these wars involve millions, whether you talk about world war, such as World War I, World War II, whether you're talking about fighting going on in Iran, in Iraq, uh, whether you're talking about fighting going on, as I've said, in Syria, the reality is we must not be alarmed because Jesus said, these things will happen. Until men are reconciled to God, they cannot possibly be reconciled to one another. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we've seen that and we are seeing that. And sadly, right up until Jesus comes, we're going to continue to see that.
But now Jesus talks about this. He says there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Wars are started and fought by people. The sinfulness of people, the selfishness of people, causes them to dominate, causes them want to, to under control and to pressurise, and those who rise up against them are caught up in war. It's a very man-centred activity. And yes, although I said about sophisticated weaponry being used, those weapons can't be used unless there's a man to pull the trigger or to press the button or however it works. But uh, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, plague, whatever. What about this? Well, these are signs that the end of the world is coming. But I believe what they're speaking about is the fact that the earth is decaying. This earth that God made, that uh, when he made it, he looked at it and said, it's good, it's very good. And the wonder of creation and uh, it is just incredible after all these years when you look at the earth there's still a lot of beauty there's still a lot of majesty there's still incredible creativity and the stars and the planets and discovering more and more about the wider universe but the reality is that we're living in a universe that is decaying and that one day will come to an end i believe that famines and earthquakes and pestilence and all these things are symptomatic of a dying world. A world that God hasn't abandoned because he sent his son, he so loved the world, he sent his son in order that we might be saved. But we are living in a world that is corrupt, in a world that is spoilt by sin. And therefore you can't imagine an earthquake in heaven you can't imagine a famine in heaven. You can't imagine plague, disease, virus, whatever in heaven. It just won't be there because heaven is perfect. But it is quite intriguing, as I said a few minutes ago, when we look into our world and see still such majesty and beauty, the reality is it's getting more and more rotten. Now, I'm not getting on to the environmental issues. We appreciate that there are people who are very helpfully warning us about resources and all these sorts of things. But what is certainly true is that God is still in charge. This world that is winding down, this world is still his world. And what we are absolutely confident about is that he will bring this world to an end. It won't be a plague. It won't be an earthquake of gigantic proportions. It won't be whatever is happening around and we see evidence. And because of statistics, we're told that the impact of these things is growing and growing. People have recorded earthquakes for a long time, but sometimes... I guess with increased population and all of these things, certainly more and more lives are lost when these things happen. Famine areas that might have covered perhaps a small portion of the population are now covering vast numbers of people. It's a terrible thing. But this is why we need to preach the gospel. And what 
The word of God says these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, if these are the beginning of birth pains, one, one dreads to think how much worse is it going to get? Now, I'm not here this morning to fill you with gloom and doom, but the reality is, is that the heart of man is sinful, it breeds destruction, it breeds war, whether it's people fighting each other in a domestic situation or whether it's nation against nation. It's all coming out of a heart that stubbornly says, I don't need God, I'll be God, I will rule, I will reign, I will do things my way. And we're living in a world that has been affected by the sin of man and that is increasingly showing signs of great wear and tear and when that's expressed in all sorts of things, whether it's plates moving under the earth, causing the earthquake, whatever, the reality is Jesus is coming back and he will bring everything to an end in his return. So the next thing, and uh, we'll develop this in another message later on, but the next thing that we need to notice about end times is that there will be persecution. People of God will be confronted for their uh, supposed arrogance. How can you say you're right and everybody else is wrong? And all of that sort of attitude that uh, the world has in trying to resist truth. Now, when we share God's word and when we share the gospel and when we talk about Jesus and who he is and what he's done, we are being very forthright, very clear, very confident, very strong, but from a place of enormous humility. Because when we share Jesus is Lord, he's the only way, he's the only saviour, no one can come to God except through him, we're sharing that from a heart that has been broken by the knowledge of our sinfulness and our weakness and how we needed the Saviour to come and rescue us. We don't come to this position, as it were, that we've scored points and we've managed to get this revelation and understanding. It's not like that. It's with great humility, great sense of seriousness, that one day we woke up to the reality of how far we were from God and how much we needed to trust Him. But when you present your faith and when you present your convictions about Jesus and the gospel, there will be those who will hate you, there will be those who will seek to put you down, there will be those who will oppose you in all manner of ways. What we read is that uh, even the early Christians, some of them were flogged and some of them lost their lives. The more we speak truth in a dying world, the more we speak the truth of the Word of God in a world that's increasingly at war with one another, the stronger the opposition to silence that voice will be. And therefore, even at such a time as this, the voice of the Gospel needs to be heard. And it is a clear voice. Here is a time to seek the Lord. Here is the time to get into a right place with him because our God who loves us so much is a holy God. He is a God 
who judges. And he would much rather us repent and find salvation than to endure his wrath. That's why he sent Jesus. Just one more thing which I'll touch on briefly, uh, and, and it's this. What uh, Jesus said as he is speaking uh, these words about end times, he says the gospel must first be preached to all nations. I'm going to begin with that in a message later on. But closing this message, I just want to encourage us that we have a job to do while we endure and while we wait and see the world falling into more and more disrepair and while we see the hatred, the bitterness, the wrath of men pitted against one another. What we have to do is to present Christ. Now, all right, at this moment of time, uh, in the UK, in many countries, we're experiencing what is called lockdown, and we're restricted in our movement. But that doesn't mean that we're restricted in our ability to share the love of Jesus. We've just got to be more creative. It may be that you write more. It may be that you telephone more. It may be that you look for ways that you can communicate your faith. But what we must do is to seek to make Jesus known throughout every nation. It's not that we all go to every nation, but we support the vision that it's not just about our locality right where we are. We are called to have a heart for the world that God has made. And Jesus said, that's the job to get on with. Don't be unduly distracted by all of the stuff coming in, all of what's on the news. Be aware of it, be responsible, be a good citizen, but above all, be a good witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray God's blessing upon you, and we pray that during these times you'll draw near to God and you'll find his grace and his peace. But may God bless you, and as far as the elders of Lansing Tab are concerned, we are very, very much aware of you at this time, and we pray that God's peace will be upon you. God bless you.